Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that you feel loved by this message from one of our guest speakers. You know, praise the Lord. I, I just want to say I count it a privilege to be in this house and thank the leadership for all of the support and prayer that they have given me over the, the last time. And, you know, I'm trying to move forward in my life. Um, how many are glad to say goodbye to 2023? You know, it's been a tough year for me, and I know it's been a tough year for some of you, but praise God. I believe in the perseverance in the saints, and I know that you do as well. Well, you know, I feel the word of the Lord stirring in my heart today, and Again, um, I, again, I just count it a privilege and an honor to be able to speak the first word of 2024. And, uh, you know, I, I believe God has given me a, a, a prophetic proclamation rather than an instructional word to, to, to impart to you this morning. And uh, what I mean by that, it, it, it was a revelation that came to me some months ago about the fire of God. And so the title on the screen should be Jesus, Our Firelighter. That is the name of the message this morning. And I had this word really branded on my heart back in September of last year in a pastor's conference where I experienced the visitation of God, okay? I had an encounter with the Lord. I was in worship, and the prophetic presence of God was very rich. It was very powerful, and I was literally standing in the glory of God. And even for a split second when I opened my eye, I could see the fire of God with my naked eye. And it was just for a second, but I was shaking under the presence of God. And I've had these encounters uh, over the course of my life where the Lord has visited me. And I, I believe God wants to do that in your life. He wants to set you on fire in 2024. I mean, there is zeal in my heart for the Lord. I'm very zealous for the Lord. How many are very zealous for God in these days? Well, you know, if your heart got a little cool this morning, you stepped out, of, out into your car and had to scrape the windshield, and I, I pray that the Word of God warms your heart this morning. Luke chapter 12, verse 49, this is the word, signature word this morning for us. Jesus said this, I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. The Message Bible puts it this way, I've come to start a fire on this earth, and how I wish it were blazing right now. I've come to change everything, turn everything right side up, how I long for it to be finished. Jesus is a fire lighter, and he's coming in hot in 2024. And I pray that you can feel the heat this morning because God wants to start something in each and every one of our hearts. He's our firelighter, and he wants to come and ignite our faith. He wants to come and ignite our hope and our expectation in 2024, and he wants to set the church on fire in 2024. Glory to God. And so the Lord is looking for open hearts today to get ignited with his fiery gospel message because when we catch the fire of God, we're supposed to share the fire of God. We don't keep it to ourselves. The Lord lit a generation on fire and he wants to light this generation on fire. The Lord has not abandoned you or your family. He has not abandoned Canada. He hasn't abandoned the West, the Western world. 
And we don't have to look to what's going on in this world right now. All we need to do is look unto our Lord who is a consuming fire. Amen? You know, I heard a powerful quote that tied in with this message by George Bernard Shaw, and I want to read it to you today. I usually don't bring something this lengthy, and if you could put it up on the slides, that would be great so people could read it. Uh, this is what he said. This is the true joy in life, being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one, being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community, and as long as I live, it is my privilege to do for it what I can. It is a sort of splendid torch which I have got hold of for this moment, and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. That is the way God wants us to live, people. He wants us to live for the kingdom of God. He wants us to live for him. And so we are called to carry the fire of God to start a fire in someone else's life. You can start with your children. You can start with your spouse. You can start with some backslidden Christians who have gotten cold-hearted, maybe a little apathetic in their faith, a little indifferent. Things have cooled off in their lives. You can start something in an unbeliever's life just by speaking to them, and it might spark something of knowing who Jesus is, wanting to know who Jesus is. It might be as simple as an invitation to this church or an invitation of hospitality into your home. It might be as simple as a praying for this person, but we are meant to catch the fire and not hold it to ourselves. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, but then he said, you are the light of the world, and don't hide your light. We are called to be a city set on a hill that shines brightly with the presence of God. Amen? And so, what kind of day is it in the church today? I'm going to tell you. This is what the Lord spoke to me prophetically back in September. These are days like the days of Elijah. Days of restoration, days of redemption, days where the God who answers by fire is coming to the church with a double portion anointing. He is coming with a mantle of grace. He is coming with a mantle of strength. And he is coming with a mantle of power. And if you can see it, when the heavens open up, you can have it. You can capture it. You know the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. Check it out. You can see it. But you know, God is coming with a double portion anointing, and he's going to bring it to this church. He wants to start a revival all over the world, and he wants to start it in the West. He has not forgotten the church. He loves his church. And oh, how we need a double portion anointing in these days because we are living in a time of darkness Yes, even gross darkness upon the land, upon the nations, and it's an evil day, and the church needs to shine bright with the fire of God. And so the lamp of faith needs to burn with strength. Fast forward about a 1,000 years, 800 years. Who comes on the scene? John the Baptist. Jesus said he shone brightly like a burning, shining lamp. 
a burning, shining lamp. And he had the spirit and power of Elijah, a mantle on him to preach the gospel of repentance. And what did he say? He says, behold, there is one that is coming whose shoes and sandals I am not worthy to loose. And he will come and he will baptize you, not with water, but with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that our God is a consuming fire. It is the very essence of his presence. The third person of the Trinity is who? The Holy Spirit. He's not an it. He's not a force. He is God. And he empowers his church. He empowers his servants. He empowers his people. And he wants to empower you to live for him. And so, you know, I look at these days and I go, Wow, wow, what a day we are living in. Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ the second time? Are you ready? Do you realize we are the generation in history that is closest to the second coming? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm not saying we are the generation where Jesus is going to come and break through the clouds and come with his consuming fire to consume the earth. I'm not saying that, but what if we are? I mean, the early church lived in the light of the second coming of Christ. And I believe the spirit and power of Elijah is going to rest on the church once again, just prior to the second coming of Christ. I don't know if we're that generation. I, I, I wish we were. I wish we were. But one thing I know is I love the presence of God. And I love when the fire of God comes into a, a meeting like this, where the glory of God comes and settles, where we're not just reading words off the page of the Bible. And I don't want to detract from that, but where we actually encounter the presence of God. That's what I'm looking for. Are you looking for that? I want to be touched by the presence of God. I, when I went to that conference back in September, I said, Lord, I don't want to hear a bunch of pastors bragging about how big their churches are or whatever. I said, I just want to meet with you. And man, did I meet with him, and he met with me, and it was beautiful. And we can experience that every Sunday morning as we come into this house and we enter into the worship of God and we can participate in it and get ignited, for, ignited in the process. And so this morning, the Lord is coming to ignite your faith and revive your passion to serve his purposes in 2024. You know, one of the things that I saw was Jesus Christ coming into his temple with a whip of cords, and he was cleansing the temple. And he quoted this passage out of Isaiah 56 and 7. If you can throw that up on the screen, it says this, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And then in John 2.17, the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. You serve a God of passion. He's passionate concerning spiritual matters, passionate about prayer. Jesus was so involved in seeking God, he would spend hours in prayer with the Father just to impart a miracle that only took a couple of minutes. 
He loved being in the presence of the Father. And I would encourage you to amp up your prayer life in 2024. Do a little bit of fasting. Do a little worship. Do a little thanksgiving in your house. And seek the Lord where, right where you are. And so he loves his church. But I want you to know he's not the God of the spark. He's the God of the flame. And, and, and he's inviting us into that flame, that flame of his presence. And so don't run from it. Step into it. Step into it. Jesus came into his temple, and, and, he, and he wanted to impart something to his people. It wasn't just a refining and a cleansing. It was a transformation of the house of God. And today... I just sense that God desires to walk into the temple of your very own soul with your permission. He wants to walk into your soul and consume you with his purposes and to do the will of the Father today. To consume your life with assignments from heaven. And so what is going to consume your heart, mind, and soul, and time in 2024? I guarantee you, if we're not intentional the things that were involved in 2023 will continue on in 2024. And I recognize that we can't change ourselves. But when we open up the temple of our own soul and we allow the Son of God to walk in with his fire to cleanse and to revive and to renew us, I'm telling you, things are going to change. Husbands are going to start coming to church and their wives aren't even going to have to persuade them. Are you a candidate for the flame of personal revival in your own heart today? That's where it all starts. Maybe you're the first person that accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior last year. Blaze a trail. Start a new legacy. Start something afresh in your life. Is he welcome to step into your life? Is he welcome to step into your home? Is he welcome to step into your business? Is he welcome to step into your family and your ministry and your life afresh? Welcome him in. Invite him in. Another point this morning. Maintain the flame of your first love with intimate prayer and sincere devotion. The Lord is calling us to return to our first love, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, in the Old Testament, the priests of old were responsible for sacrifices and burnt offerings. And, you know, the fire of God initially came to the tabernacle in the wilderness. That fire from heaven came on those sacrifices. But then it was the responsibility of the priests to stir up those hot coals and embers and keep that fire going and to maintain it. And it says in Leviticus 6, verses 12 to 14, the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings... A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. And so when an innocent lamb was sacrificed upon the altar, it represented the life of the worshiper. A person would bring that lamb to the priest who would offer it to God, and then the fire of God would come and accept that offering. And then the priest would maintain that fire. 
When we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, he came to indwell us by the fiery power of the Holy Spirit. He ignited us, and we were born again. Yet there remains a responsibility on our part to commune with him in prayer, praise, and worship, and to minister to him with sacrifices of thanksgiving and praise and stoke the fires of faith. Nobody can do that for you but you. And it's true. You know, I, 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 that's the individual maintenance of your own spiritual life. But then there's the corporate realm. And they both go together. You know, we don't... You know, we, we don't start praying necessarily today. We continue on every day. It's called building a devotional life. Amen? We develop that. We should bring some fire into the house of God every Sunday. And, and I want to show you another Old Testament illustration of what happens when we pray and we seek God in an intentional way throughout the week. This is what happened. This is what happened during the dedication of Solomon's temple. It says in 2 Chronicles 7, verses 1 to 3, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. It was the visible Shekinah glory, and it had weight to it. It had power. They fell in the presence of God. They couldn't even stand in it because it was so powerful and so holy. Verse 3, it says, When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, for his love endures forever. How many would have loved to at least had the Blu-ray of that? How many would have rather been in the meeting? Come on. He brought thousands of animals to be sacrificed. He was only required to bring one, but he brought thousands. And the presence of God came. Listen, God's fire comes to a hungry heart today, comes to a hungry congregation. And so put some fresh oil in the lamp of your prayer life. Let zeal for the house of God consume you. Build a fresh altar unto the Lord. Is he not the God who answers by fire? You may have to sacrifice, as we heard it last week, last year's disappointments. You may need to put on that altar some problems. You may need to put on some put on that altar some bad habits and let the fire of God consume it. You may have to uh, abandon some toxic relationships. It might be that God will consume that and give you a new zeal for his house, a new zeal for serving in the house of God. <clears throat> and so, praise God, return to your first love. James 5, verses 16 to 18. This is about Elijah. This is in the New Covenant the effect of fervent. Everybody say fervent this morning. Fervent in the Greek means boiling hot. It means to be white hot, intense, an intense fire. And it says the effect of boiling hot prayer of a righteous man 
avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Listen, we have to persevere in prayer. He prayed eight times in total. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how long that duration was. Seven times when he was on the mount during the famine. He might have been praying one hour, and that counted as one time praying. And then he asked his servant to go out to see if there was any rain. He says, no, there's nothing happening. He goes, well, I'm going to pray again. And then he prayed again. And on the eighth time, when his servant came back, he saw what? He saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. And then what happened is eventually the, the atmosphere was filled with lightning and, and black clouds, and then the rain came. Now I want to encourage you that Elijah was just a man. But he was a praying man, and he was a righteous man, and he was a persevering man. And it doesn't matter who he was. What matters is who we are, because we are flesh and blood just like he was. And if we seek the Lord and we persevere in prayer, something is going to be birthed. It's going to be an answer to your prayer in 2024. This is a living word promised to you and I that God answers people when they persevere in prayer. Amen? And so, he had, an, uh, he had a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly, and then he prayed again. We can't have the attitude, well, I prayed about that and nothing happened, because Elijah prayed, what? He prayed again. We need to continue to pray, because he birthed that reality into that situation, and that's what you and I are called to do as well. So praise God. When you encounter the holy fire of God, you're going to experience some things, okay? When you encounter the Lord, the presence of God, you're going to receive a personal visitation. Don't miss the day of your visitation. God is beginning to speak to you right now. It's a day of visitation to the church. It's a day when God is sparking some things in the world. And so a visitation comes and it ignites living faith and burns with the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit. A divine relationship, a connection is made with our Heavenly Father. That fire begins in our lives, it begins in our heart. We're touched by his gospel message and it blazes with life-giving hope, eternal life and faith in our souls. And again, Jesus Christ appeared to his disciples post-resurrection. He says, I want you to go to an upper room where the promise of the Father is going to be encountered. And they didn't know what that was. They just prayed, or they just prayed and waited on God, went to this upper room, and this is what happened. In Acts 2, verses 1 to 4, out of the voice translation, it says, when the holy day of Pentecost came, 50 days after Passover, they were gathered together in one place. Picture yourself among the disciples. A sound roars from the sky without warning. The roar of a violent wind and the whole house where you are gathered reverberates with the sound. Then a flame appears dividing into smaller flames and spreading from one person 
to the next. All the people present are filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in languages they've never spoken as the Spirit empowers them. A flame appears the day of Pentecost. Not one person was left out. The fire of God could actually be seen. Now, we don't necessarily see it today, but it's here. It's an invisible flame, and it's sitting on your heads. It's present. It's in our midst. He's in our midst. So we receive this visitation from God, this encounter, and then what happens is we hear a voice that comes out of the flame. The voice of God calls your name out of the flame. Does that remind you of somebody? It should remind you of Moses. You see, your identity is found in the fire, and your father's voice is heard from inside that fire. And a revelation of the true you is found in the presence of God. You get to know exactly who God is and who you are when you have an encounter with him. And I want you to know something today. You've been adopted, not abandoned. You're not condemned. You're not condemned. You are called. You are accepted by your Father. You're not rejected. You're received. And he knows how hard it is to live out this life. He knows the struggle that you and I have to contend with in this world. But you are sons and daughters of the Most High God, a people who were not a people, who were called out of darkness into his marvelous light, called to display the praises of your God and your Savior. So consider Moses and consider yourself the first martyr in Acts 7, considered this. He considered this. He shared it with his legalistic brothers, those ready to kill him. Stephen, he said this in his discourse, Acts 7, verses 30 to 32. Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. And when Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Exodus 3, verses 2 to 4. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. Here I am. He responded. And some of you might be thinking today, I haven't heard my name. Take a closer look. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You keep drawing near to God until you hear your name. And you know what? Some of you have had a negative committee in your mind. I, I'm not this. I, I'm a failure. I'm, you know, uh, this isn't, you know, I'm not a man of faith. I'm not a woman of faith. It's a lie from the enemy. God says he's calling you by a new name. That new name is Overcomer. Remember how he changed Jacob's name to Israel? Israel means prince with God. 
one who rules and reigns with the living God. And that's who God is calling you all to be in 2024, that you're going to take out some giants. You're going to deal with some situations, but you're going to be so secure in your salvation because you know who you serve. You serve the great I am God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he has heard the cry of your heart, and he has heard the bondage. He has heard your cry, and he is going to respond to you. And he is the great I am. And so receive the voice of the Lord this morning. He is speaking to your heart right now. And so only believe. Only believe the word of the Lord today. Some of you need a burning bush today. And the Lord is calling you by name. Take a closer look. Well, what else do you experience in the fire? Well, sometimes we've got to fight fire with fire. Sometimes there's violence in the fire. It says, by faith, believers quench the violence of fire, Hebrews 11.34. Listen, the fires of Satan are no match for the fire of God. The enemy might try to start a fire, and he does. Um, the fire of God is a far superior fire. The fire of God burns with violence against the lies of this present evil age that attempt to consume the minds of God's people. And what the fire of God does within you and I is it burns up all of our lies. It burns up all of the fears that we've bought into. It burns up all of that unbelief. It burns up all of the hopelessness. It burns up all that cold apathy. It burns up negative attitudes. It burns up apathy and coldness of heart. The holy fire of God comes to consume the destructive thought patterns that exist in each and every one of us. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of what strongholds to calling out imaginations, and that we are called to take every thought captive, take them captive, and present them to the fire of God and let them be burned up. Because I'd rather deal with a thought than a stronghold. They're a lot easier to deal with. Well, praise the Lord. There are two kinds of fire burning in the world today, right now. There are the fires of God. There are, I, I believe the Lord spoke this to my heart Back in September, two kinds of fire that are burning in our world today. The first one is the fire of God. And these are fires of revival that have started in obscure places throughout this nation, throughout the United States, in very obscure places. God loves obscure little towns and places because he does things. He sets a people on fire. The other is a destructive fire from the enemy that inspires men to war, hatred, and violence. These are the fires of persecution and accusation against that old serpent, that old dragon, the devil. They come. They come against you and I, and they come against our faith. And so the fire, this fire wants to, to bring a discouragement, wants to devour your faith and your hope in God, but the fire of God, what does it do? It comes to redeem. It comes to restore. It comes to bring reconciliation and broken families and broken lives. And it brings hope to a hopeless heart. It revives a faith that has been refined through the furnace of pressure and heat. And so God's fire blesses. The enemy's fire burns and scars. How many were in a furnace in 2023? 
I was in the greatest furnace of suffering I've ever experienced in my life. But there was another one in the fire standing next to me. I know some of you have suffered as well, suffered great loss as I have. Um, listen, there's one standing in the fire with you. How many remember Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego ticked off the king? They wouldn't bow down to that golden statue and worship his ego, worship his egomania. So they turned that furnace up seven times hotter and they threw them in there. And guess what? The only thing that was burned up was the bondage. The ties that bound their hands and their feet were all burned up. And they were walking around. And the king, he's looking in the furnace. And what does he say? He goes, I thought we put three men in there. How come there's four? I see one like the Son of God walking with them. And they are not being burnt up. God fights fire with fire. Fight the good fight of faith, people, because God's hand is on you. And some of us have been in a furnace. Some of us will be entering into a furnace. But I want you to know, don't be afraid of the fiery trial that is about to try you as some strange thing has happened to you because your faith is more precious than silver and gold. And it is building something of an, an eternal inheritance in the heaven that awaits you as you step out of this life and into the next. You have a glorious inheritance waiting for you. But don't give up. Don't give up on your hope. Don't give up on your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we're moving on to vitality now. We went from visitation to the voice and then to the violence, and now we are looking to encounter what we all need is vitality. I have not seen so many exhausted, burnt-out Christians in, uh, since the last few years, but God wants you to know that there is energy in the fire of the Holy Spirit. It contains energy that we need to fulfill our call and our ministry and our assignments. And it says this in Isaiah 42, in three out of the Living Bible, God will not break a bruised reed nor quench a dimly burning flame. He will encourage the faint-hearted, those tempted to despair. He will see full justice given to all who have been wronged. This is prophetic to somebody this morning. Some of you are going to experience vindication for the wrong that has been done to you in the last couple of years. Vindication is coming. Vindication, you will be vindicated for the wrongdoing that has happened to you. I believe it. The fires of God have vitality, and we will not burn out. God does not want to burn you out. Zeal for the house of God has consumed me. We want to be spent for the kingdom of God, amen? You can be spent for so many different things. You can be consumed by so many things in this world. But if you're consumed by the fire of God, you will not lose your power. You will not lose your energy. Last point I want to make this morning is there's vision. When you encounter the fire of God, you are invited into a fresh revelation, an assignment from God, a vision for service, a vision for your career, a vision for your family, a vision for your marriage, a vision for your business, a vision for your ministry. And it's time for many of you to apply yourself to the gifts that God has already imparted to you. Some of them, these gifts are not being employed. 
You have to apply the gifts of God that God has put in you. Some of you, it's hospitality. Some of you, it's prophetic encouragement. Some of you, it's service. Some of you, it's giving. Some of it's generosity. You know, there are so many gifts in this house. But I, I just want to, in closing this morning, want to stir you up. Because the vision of God shows you what you must do. Stoke the fires and apply your gifts. See yourself doing what God has already showed you to do as his servant. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Paul speaking to Timothy. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. When I laid my hands on you, the man carried an impartation. And when he laid his hands on that young spiritual son, a fire was lit. A gift was imparted. He began to apply it. And he ran to fulfill the ministry that God had called him to. Amen. And he wants to do the very same in you. God imparted fire. In that fire was a vision, a gift. But Timothy had to stoke it. He had to apply it. He had to develop it. Create some spark in your heart, people of God. Hmm. It's time to step into the fire of God. Thanks for joining us today. For more on our messages or information about our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. We hope you have a great week.